and welcome to Additive Insight. I am Laura Griffiths, I'm a Deputy Group Editor at TCT Magazine, and I'm joined by... Dan O'Connor, Head of Content. And Sam Davis, Assistant Editor. A very enthusiastic bunch today. We're here at Rapid Plus TCT in Detroit, and we're here on the last day of the show. You're feeling pretty tired. Exhausted. You, Sam? Not as tired as I usually am, because we get to bed quite early. That's good, that's good. There's been lots of things to see this week, so we just wanted to do a bit of a, a, a round-up of some of the cool things that we've seen. As with every Rapid show, there's been a lot of launches this week, a lot of new customer stories. So who wants to kick us off? Uh, I'll start with Origin, because it's the freshest in my mind. Um, so they came out of stealth mode in November, um, and this week... Um, they finally launched their Origin One um, 3D printing platform. Um, they also announced a new material partner in DSM to add to Henkel and BASF. Um, those guys have been sharing a booth on kind of rotation for three days. So BASF was first, and uh, DSM on Wednesday and Henkel today. Um, and they also announced that um, Echo, the footwear company, are uh, using their machines as one of the early access customers. Um, so I've just been with Chris, the CEO, um, who's formerly of Apple, um, and he was telling me all about the machine, um, a lot of which I'm going to save for a written article, um, somebody said that he's not told anyone else. Um, but the machine will um, is a kind of a modular platform. You can buy a single unit, um, and then it's kind of just an easy... Um, build up of how many machines you want. Um, it's there's a subscription model which starts at fifteen hundred dollars a month, which I think equates to about eighteen thousand dollars a year. Um, and you were saying as you bring on more machines, the cost of that actually comes down. And you don't just get the machines; that you also get all the software capabilities. Unfortunately, you don't get the materials. Um, they're all paid for separately. Um, on the materials, um, they've got fifty that are ready to go um, with their customers, customers, uh, materials partners. Some of them, he said, might actually um, remain unknown. So there's only three announced, but there's much more going on in the background. Um, 50, I think he said, are waiting to be validated, um, and they're still working, material, working on materials every day. Um, they have chemists at their um, new facility in San Francisco. Um, and the machine will be commercially available in the Autumn, um, probably around in time for format, um, so we've got some um, new material partnerships to announce, um, new applications to announce. Um, but doing the math, I think maybe not even, maybe not by the end of the year, but certainly maybe the end of the next year, um, they'll probably have the largest materials portfolio in the additive industry. Um, also on the machine, there are multiple sensors. Um, back the sides underneath um, and they monitor everything um, they store all of the data some of it you can see in real time on the touch screen on the front it's all warehouse so you can go over it and learn from the um, parch printing and one of the parts uh, he had on the stand with him was this block which was about four kilograms in weight um, it was just all material there's no kind of mass engineering done all material and the point was that the machine um, which kind of prints going up so the print bed is at the top of the machine by the time the part's finished it's strong enough to hold that it's all um, the inside of it is all metal um, so it can 
hold that weight. Um, and he was saying that it basically gives the power back to the manufacturers. They don't have to change the design of their parts. They don't have to make it lightweight, mm -hmm. even though you can. And that's obviously the benefit of 3D printing. You can just put your current design, maybe a few tweaks, into the 3D printer, and it should be able to, to hold that. What's quite interesting there is that you said about that they're going to have this huge materials portfolio, mm -hmm. and that's thanks to their materials partners. Mm -hmm. And the day before, I was on uh, Loctite's booth, and Loctite is the division of Henkel. Mm -hmm. It's their brand, and everybody knows they've got a stand here. They had one at Form next last year, I think. Yes. But they were talking about how working in partnership with somebody like Origin, they became, they realised that their experience wasn't going to be in creating hardware. They're Mr. Heroes experts, so they looked at what their hero products were, is what they called it, and looked to develop themselves. And that's what we kind of, I touched on yesterday in a blog about collaboration being king in this industry. Mm -hmm. and I think somebody like Origin shows that that's, the, well, it's fairly obvious from their direction. What about, what are the parts like when you have to post-process them? How do you have to post-process them? So he was explaining this to me. Um, there's actually curing done within the build process and you still have to UV cure, I don't know if it's all the parts or some of the parts um, afterwards as well, um, but they can be all parts that they've tested so far, all of the materials they've got so far, can be cured within five minutes. It's, it's really quick. Um, and the, whole, the whole thing seems really impressive. The software's open um, for integration with other software modules. Obviously the materials are all open. Um, they was even saying that the, the build plate is kind of open for the manufacturer's customization so and the material they're using the texture they want they can they can make the print bread to their specification it's also saying that um kind of detachment from the um print bed on the, the parts that they were showing off back at form that's kind of i remember them cylindrical they were, yeah with loads of different textures on so at the top of them um there's loads of tiny support structures so that they can just snap it off that's easy to get rid of. Sounded all very impressive. Sounds good. And you've been following that story for quite a while now, haven't you? Yes. So we, I think we were the first to announce our launch. Um, and yeah, we actually got invited over to San Francisco as well. So actually doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a couple of things that I've seen. Well, the first one is one of the Rapid Plus TCT Innovation Award winners for this week, which was for Form Alloy or Form Alloy. Both variations of the name were set on stage, so I don't know which one to go for. Um, but I went over and checked it out, and basically it's an um, alloy development feeder, and it's designed, what it sounds like it's designed for, for developing new alloys for additive manufacturing. I went and spoke to Melanie Lang, the company's um, co-founder, a little bit about this, and um, she's basically saying how um, you can use this to um, create um, parts that have up to like 16 different materials it's only really small parts you don't need a, an awful lot of material to experiment with with this stuff but it was just kind of cool seeing some of the things they're coming out with and they're hoping to pass it on to other players so that they can start to develop their their own materials too and um, so as i said that one one of the innovation awards which you can check out more about um over on our website so with that laura yes i know how does that are they being developed for dmls 
system for powder bed fusion systems. No, you? so that's for um, DED. Okay. Yeah, so so that's the technology that, that Form Alloy are using. Is yeah, uh, and then another one was a company again, Rapidia or Rapidia. I'm not too sure which way it said. I'm going to say Rapidia because that sounds better. Um, but they are a Vancouver-based company. They've been working on this technology now for um, I think about three years, um, and it's basically a desktop style uh, metal 3d printer made for the office sounds like other things in the industry um but it, it actually looks it looks pretty good and the kind of the key thing they've done is so um whereas a lot of these processes you hear it's the bind and sinter process and it's got the debinding step in the middle they've actually done away with that and the reason that is is because parts are built using this uh, water-based um solution so the part comes out it's pretty much like a it's, it's like a paste that, that comes out and uh, when it when it prints um and yes, yeah, so it says uh, this page basically means they don't have to do the the divider step in the middle, which obviously takes a lot of time, and it's just it's, it's a lot faster. Um, and another thing with this um, water solution is that they can apparently use it so you can almost weld parts together. So once you've like made a part, you can have you can have another one as long as you use this kind of have this wet solution. I don't quite understand fully, but you can actually fuse them together, right. so you can sort of make multi-material parts I saw the end of uh, the chap from Rapidia's talk right. when I was about to present something else and that's what he was talking about and it, it kind of I didn't because I wasn't there for the start of the talk I didn't quite understand it yeah. but it seems like something people would want to do De definitely yeah and, and some of the things so they weren't just showing uh, metal parts they were also showing things like ceramics and you know could be possible to blend those two two they're not doing that just yet but it looks like they might be able to to do that in future so it's quite a small a, a small build volume so you're not gonna be able to make like huge parts in this but some of the ones I saw on the stand were pretty impressive and the detail on some of them for that type of technology as well was a lot finer than I than I thought they'd be able to come out with but um that's gonna be available later on did this they, year. Did they say what kind of applications they were targeting for that? Um, honestly, just that they, they did say end use application. It wasn't just just necessarily for, for uh, prototyping. So I mean, they are going after the, the big stuff. So I guess we'll see. But they haven't. They didn't announce any customers um, just yet. So I suppose time will tell when we actually see that in the hands of people that are actually going to buy the technology. So that was another um, good one that I saw. Another one I just want to quickly talk about as well, just because of a story I got quite excited about a few weeks ago. So I went over to the MG Additive stand, and I'm sure everybody saw they had um, done a collaboration with Proto Labs and Zach Posen, a designer, um, to create some pieces for the Met Gala, and they've got some of those pieces on the stand. They've not got the full dresses, unfortunately, um, but they did have um, some of the parts. So they had um, some of these little really intricately um, printed um, like floral pieces which were just kind of used as like little appliques on dresses and also um, the kind of the statement piece which was on the protolab stand again in collaboration with G um, was just this, basically this huge petal part that was used on, on one of the costumes just a really nice um, as you said collaboration before it's just a, a really nice example of a really creative industry partnering with these um, industrial players and two industrial players working together to create something Really, really impressive that it stole a lot of headlines, including um, ours last week. So that was pretty good. And I also got to speak to G Additive a little bit more about the Binojetting technology. They don't have anything on the booth this week, so they don't have any, any hardware-related shows. So they're, they're kind of just having like conversations with a few key customers because I think they want to really develop technology proper before they just put it onto the market they want to make sure it's as good as it can possibly be it is already um in the hands of a couple of customers already they're talking about um two at the minute i think one of them creates parts for um things like railways that kind of stuff another one's um oh 
can't remember the name, but of just another um, sort of heavy um, industry. And um, so they're using it at the minute. Um, within GE's um, manufacturing facility, they're currently co-developing the technology for um, the application. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. But um, I think we'll hear more a little bit probably around form next towards the end of the year. So, Dan, what about you? So I've seen quite a lot of things mm-hmm. on the show floor a lot, but one thing I've been really impressed by, and even though there isn't a machine here, was Paxis. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> it comes with C-Ideas. Do we call them C-Ideas? At first, I used to think they were called Cydias, but I think it's C-Ideas. C-ideas um, but it's <laughs> Mike Luttrell's service bureau that's been around for 20 years. In fact, here it is on the back of this uh, magazine here. They've printed millions of parts over the past mm-hmm. 20 years, they say. Mike came to us at AMOG a couple of years ago and was talking about how him and his engineers had developed this new technology. They could print trapped volumes, which was not something that I was aware was a problem, but that's a problem in additive manufacturing. And they are they re, they just announced a partnership with BASF, so it's another collaboration for materials companies, and they were showing parts. But the, the great thing was, I was asking Mike about how what it's like to transition from some a service bureau and somebody who's been running a service bureau for a while to being a technology developer. And as I was asking him that question, Scott Crump appeared on the stand. So Mike started asking Scott <laughs> Crump that question. And Scott was telling him about how, you know, one of Mike's questions was, when do I go for venture? When do I go for funding? I, I can get the technology to this point, and I'm funding it myself. I'm acting as an angel investor to this technology. But when is the point where I have to go for funding? And, you know, it's, there's no easy answer, but... Scott was saying that Stratasys was like $30 million, and that was 1985, to get FDM off the ground. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> it, it was quite nice validation of uh, Mike there, because Scott was saying how nice the parts were, and he was really impressed by, they've got this huge surfboard that they printed as one. It's a full-size surfboard that they printed as one. They were able to stop it in the middle of the build and change the design in the middle of the build, and then put it back on. And... Scott Crump seemed impressed, and that's uh, good enough for me, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> if you want validation from someone. Yeah. I also went to see um, Entopology. Is that how we're calling them as mm-hmm. well? Mm-hmm. Um, now, simulation software is a gap in my knowledge that I can never quite get my head around. But here it goes. Entopology are using field-driven simulation, which is different from what everybody else is doing in the industry, and it allows... We've gone, we've tried to like, there's a lot of talk about these like complex geometries and we can do this, but designers don't know how to do them. Mm-hmm. And Entopology's field-driven software allows you to get in there and really start creating geometries that make the best of additive. Uh, it's got a lot of like, the parts almost look like generative design parts, but they're not. Um, and the thing that they are, that seems to really impress people when you talk about them and say is, file sizes it's all about file sizes for them so like the file size they were launched for this part was like 28 kilobytes and in comparison that's like a gig of data when you're talking about mesh clouds uh so and dominic Wright from bmw has been over to see them he seems impressed so that it, they seem to be generating a decent amount of buzz and topology mm-hmm. got a big stand i think this is their big coming out party at uh, rapid um so they were really impressive um, a company called from the UK called Value Chain spent a lot of time with them this week because you know us, us lot from England stick together from the northwest <laughs> of England stick together. But they um, the article the blog I wrote about collaboration it really came from them. What they were telling me about collaboration is key. They started out of an Innovate UK fund uh, with a in collaboration with Airbus, 
uh, to develop this uh, software for supply management and supply software to, for Airbus to get a hold of their AM stuff. And some of the technology that they were sh things that they were showing me um, really echoed in Dominic's talk today. So Dominic obviously had Dominic Reiter from BMW Group was a keynote this morning. And what I was really impressed with in Dominic's talk was so the levels of detail he was going in about how that they have to plan for each machine. So where it all comes in, how they look at it and how they document everything. Because I think those are the steps that A that they didn't show the the industry is maturing that we have to start thinking about those things and B it shows that it isn't just a I've got a 3D printer I can do what I want yeah. if you want to get geared up to production there are so many things you've, you've got to consider one of the points one of the slides he had was about automation about how they it's the side scuttle that they're printing on a carbon machine and he was showing that uh, with the manual handle of handling handling of that they could print what I can't remember the exact figures, That's but it's something like 50 parts a day. Yeah, yeah 504 a week. Yeah. I think so. Mm -hmm. a week as well because obviously yeah. the automation, they don't need people there. Yeah. And that's with just two carbon machines, but the fact that they've added a form of automation to that, I think it was about 10 machines before that or something yeah. we were talking about, to, just to do, what, 120 pieces? Yeah. Insane. And I think those are the steps that people are starting to think about now. And I think that it's very evident from the show floor here at Rapid, that we are now seeing additive manufacturing as an entire workflow. So you have got the software and the likes of Entopology at the start, and then you've got likes of Origin with the new machinery and Formaloy with developing alloys. Uh, and then obviously there was news yesterday that Dimension have launched a couple of new uh, colours to their products. Mm -hmm. And I remember being at a trade show five years ago, not many, many names, but one company in particular where um, cleaning parts behind the pop-up of the stand they were hiding the right. fact that you had to clean and post-process these parts <laughs> that's we're not like we're not in that world anymore we're yeah. all very actively open about how are you going to get that part in somebody's hand in the best and most efficient way possible in terms of the whole um, value chain though I don't know whether you have found the same thing this week but um, and I sort of heard the same thing at AMOG too but how people are still saying that there needs to be a bit more development on the software side of things but I think this week has actually shown that that is definitely happening. You've got companies like Entopology, but also companies like Dendrite as well, who are really just speeding things up. You know, you, you talk to any engineers this week that have gone and watched their their, um, their demo, and they're really, really impressed by that stuff. And that's why in today's conference, when there was a question asked early on about what are people going to be investing in this year, and one of the lowest ones was actually software. And that's kind of surprising because I thought, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen that was going to be more of an interest in that because that's what the industry wants, and surely that's what people should be also invest in the flip side of that is people said they were going to invest a lot in skills so there is obviously the uh, the upside too on software as well um mark forger another company this week who brought a, a new software product to market um called blacksmith it's an artificial intelligence platform um and it works so that when you've printed the part you lay it on a flat surface um mark forger actually had a 3d printed a jig to hold a 12 millimeter wrench and you take a faro arm other scanners are available obviously um, and you touch three points in the corners of the kind of base that it's on mm -hmm. um, you scan the object um, and it recognizes the object it disperses all of the data around it um, recognizing the geometry that's gone through the machine earlier on um, it informs you about the parts whether it's much bang on or whether there's um, you know slight differences in, in what you intended it to be 
um, and it feeds back all of that information and the platform um, learns to optimise the printing process accordingly. Um, Greg mentioned um, the CEO when I spoke to him, he also put it in press release, I think that millions of dollars are wasted because machines don't know what they're handling mm-hmm. and they never have done. Um, and he also said that such are the learning capabilities of the platform that within, I think he said nine months, it will be a more accomplished um, design engineer than he is and he's been doing it for 20 years. So basically it learns like a human does. As you keep doing something, you get better at it. Um, they're releasing this for their metal machine first and then uh, Polymer platform to be later on. It was a... I can't remember what conference that, but I was at the conference and someone said that until machine learning technologies and AI started to take prevalence, every single thing that we've ever done, mm-hmm. manufacturing-wise, has fallen to the floor. It's all in people's heads, and yeah. machines have got no idea what they're, as you say, what they're printing or what they're making. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they start making things themselves, it's going to be quite terrifying. <laughs> We've also been in, of course, all the keynote sessions this week. We've had, we mentioned before, uh, Dominic over at BMW. We've had Naomi Murray at Striker. And we've had Bill Taylor as well, uh, co-founder of Fast Company. And um, Carbon and Rydell did the welcome event on Monday. Um, but Bill's was a really great talk. I, I think especially because we go to an awful lot of conferences and I think sometimes we hear a lot of the same things and you see a lot of the same keynotes. But it was nice to have someone who's not necessarily in the additive industry he's more in the industry of as much as I hate this word disruption um, but he was just a really great speaker and I think kind of set the tone for the week in terms of thinking about the future how you've got to change your mindset because that's I mean that's a lot of what additive is so I don't know what, what you kind of thought about that yeah I thought Bill's talk was really good and as you say it was nice to have something that isn't in the industry mm-hmm. uh, to set up it because we talk about the technologies being transformational but you still hear from quite a lot of the exhibitors out there that when they go into companies, there is still a, a reluctance to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I was at a talk by General Motors on the first day by Kevin Quinn, and he said that they have to unlearn, all of their design engineers have to unlearn everything for additive manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And Bill's talk about change kind of, I hope, gave some people food for thought with, right, okay, do you know what? We need to, if we're not doing this now, somebody else is going to do it better than us. Mm-hmm. And one of Bill's points as well was that as a company, you've got to look for what you can do that nobody else can do. Not what you can do what's incrementally better, but what can you do that no one else can do. And that plays quite nicely into the spirit of collaboration as well because, as I said, that I, they made me laugh yesterday, actually, locked tight when they said, yeah, we realised that we couldn't do it, <laughs> uh, that, that other people are doing it better than us. I thought that was quite, that was refreshingly honest. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that there is lots of people who know how to do things better than others in this industry. And with a technology platform that is, has so many variables, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the like poster sessions, if you saw them, were to do with melt pools and spatter effects and things like that. I think those kind of things, once you start worrying about them, they can consume you. You've just got to understand that. You've got to try it and hope that people know, other people know how to do it better than you do. Feeds into the collaboration point as well. Chris at Origin was saying that you know, the reason they're not making materials is because BASF are in the market now, DSM are in the market, Henkel are in the market, so why why would they? Avery Reichenthal at Exponential Works said the same. Um, their material strategy is going to be to invite those guys to to come on board with them because what's the point of wasting all that time 
in learning the expertise, developing the materials when these guys have got you know decades of expertise backing them up. And as Bill was saying, you know, it, he invited everyone to go into the show floor and actually just open your eyes and be willing to to learn about these things because this industry, if you if you're coming here for the first time, it is quite daunting. You've probably got no idea where you're actually going to start. But the fact that people are open to collaborations out and want to talk to that and want to share their expertise, it is it's a good time to to be in the industry. And another thing that he said was about it's not always possible for everybody but trying to take a bit of time every week to think about what you might do as a future technology I mean I know we said we were quite in, inspired by that and I know it sounds like a luxury to think that you can take a bit of time aside for your day to day work to think about what's going to make you better in five years time but I think I think that's actually really really important because you can say so so focused on the now and especially in an industry like this and everything moves so so fast you kind of need to be thinking about what you're going to be doing in the next five or so years because otherwise people are just going to catch up to you and you're going to get left behind yeah if you stop still yeah and also you know rapid plus tct that's the collaboration so this is the what the industry was going for, wanted we wanted we collaborate with the sma to hopefully bring together the spirit of co- collaboration and also american makes as well so you know we've got our partnership with american makes now you did oh god i We've been stood next to them <laughs> in the booth, and they're, they're a great bunch. Uh, but today I was speaking to Ashley at American Makes, and she's written a paper about um, maintenance, repair, and overhaul. Not unlike your article from last year, but specifically about the Department of Defense and how they can apply 3D printing for it. It's really interesting. But was, there are so many par- parallels with American Makes and, um, and the UK that I have, it's been percolating the story for me. So. What's interesting is America Makes is based in Youngstown, Ohio, which was a steel city, uh, and the industry just went from there once China took over the steel markets. Um, and what they've done is they've put America Makes there and tried to bring, and now, thanks to America Makes and this like incubation of all of these new technologies that's coming back up in the world, and I mean, the exact same story is happening in the UK with Sheffield. Sheffield is the steel city, and Sheffield was, well, not even that long ago, a lot of my friends went to university in Sheffield, and it wasn't the best place to go. It was fun, fun as a student, but it wasn't like it wasn't at the forefront of industry. But now, thanks to the likes of the AMRC, that's becoming a hub. So it's nice to work in collaboration with someone like America Mates and see where the parallels are and see how we can help each other. That they're going to help us uh, get some more, some better content. Uh, as I've said, I've got a big gaping hole in my knowledge about the software. Mm. So hopefully, someone at America Makes can do a better job than I can. Um, and you know we'll help them get their message out to their members mm-hmm. do you think we should go and get our celebratory champagne guys I think we should go and do our celebratory toast yes <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot bye <laughs>